Alright, hello, hello, hello everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to this episode again. And this is a special episode because this is kind of like a follow-up episode to our great, great, great guest that we have today. Uh, before we reintroduce our guest, uh, I guess I'm Sandy Yusuf. Today, we are, Subrat and I are like the leading the show today because Charles couldn't make it. But Subrat, <laughs> introduce yourself again. Hello, everyone. Yeah. Alright, good stuff. I guess, Mike, for sake of formalities, you might want to Tell us your gorgeous name again so that the, 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 the listeners can actually hear. Yeah, my name is Michael Latke. Yeah. I introduced me already last time, so I guess I keep it short, do a lot of RxJS stuff, a lot of performance. And if you're interested, check it out online, Google my name, that's it. <laughs> yeah. I remember working my tail off to become a senior developer. I read every book I could get my hands on. I went to any conference I could and watched the videos about the things that I thought I needed to learn. And eventually, I got that senior developer job. And then I realized that the rest of my career looked just like where I was now. I mean, where was the rush I got from learning? What was I supposed to do to keep growing? And then I found it. I got the chance to mentor some developers. I started a podcast and helped many more developers. I did screencasts and helped even more developers. I kind of became a dev hero. And now I want to help you become one too. And if you're looking forward to something more than doing the same thing at a different job three years from now, then join the Dev Heroes Accelerator. I'll walk you through the process of building and growing a following and finding people that you can uniquely help as you build the next stage of your career. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. So for those of you that are listening, uh, we, we kind of had a, a cutout episode um, previously, and this is going to be a follow-up. So before we're kind of going to continue from where we stopped the last time before, uh, we kind of ended up where we were talking about some of the things that Michael is doing with his amazing library. And he we were talking about, I guess, performance is where we kind of like left off. We're talking about how we can potentially get some performance gains and stuff like that. I have a lot of questions today, but I guess it will be it will make sense for us to sort of like sort of try to finish all of that part, Michael. If that's okay with you, and then we kind of go on. So I don't know. I guess the question that we were sort of like pondering at the time was really the performance benefits, and if you could touch more a little bit on that, so that we could round up that particular point. Yeah, perfect. So if if I remember correctly, you asked like, um, okay, we we discussed all the performance improvements, like let's say the the first layer of it, and then you ask, what if I don't need all these performance features? Can I still use it? Is there still use for it? And I mean, Rx Angular is a library that has now three packages: a template package and a state package. The state package itself is really independent of performance. It just helps you to organize your state in a, a nice way and mix reactive and imperative programming. The template package is really more related to performance, but also ships um, quite some good DX improvements, so developer experience improvements, where you can reduce the amount of lines you write and also basically architect your code in a nicer, cleaner way. This is the, the second benefit of, of the whole library. And I guess this was most probably the end of this discussion. We quickly scratched testing as a really, really last answer before we stopped last time. And we, as far as I remember, we discussed, okay, there are different strategies. You can switch on and off. Some of them bring performance. Some of them are for easier testing. Some of them are for refactoring. And that it is basically also a one-liner. So really nice way to configure, to switch, to migrate to a better 
architecture, better setup, better usage of the code. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, mean, I mean, just to sort of like segue from that, there's this thing I kind of like, I want you to talk about a little bit more as a specific director. I believe it's called the LED directive, correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah. So it seems like woo-woo magical stuff. And I, I don't fully understand it. I, I'm who better than you to really educate us and the audience about what that. So if you could please like share you know, why that was created, what it does, and sort of like learn a little bit more about that. Yeah. Sure. And I think the di main difference between the push and lead pipe will be good. So maybe let's, maybe let's start in with the push pipe. So I, I assume last time we touched what async pipe is doing and what that push pipe is basically a replacement. And this yep. is a template expression. So you use it mostly in double curly braces somewhere or, and now I will make the switch to the directives, or you could also use an async pipe or a push pipe in a way that I call the ng-if hack. Did you ever hear about this term ng-if hack? Oh yeah, I use it a lot. That's when you like do ng-if, you put the the observable with the async pipe and then you kind of like <laughs> as, ng-if as, I guess, right? Yes, 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 exactly. And and why do why are, I really like that you immediately got what I mean. Like this proves that this term really exists. I'm, I'm happy, <laughs> so Sunny, like, I guess we coined the term, right? Let's tweet it afterwards quickly that we coined, we coined the ng effect. <laughs> okay, back to back to serious stuff. So what what are, what are you doing is you bind the output of this observable to a variable name that is named as whatever variable name it is. And then within this if block that you created, you use that variable multiple times. Mm -hmm. And this is a benefit. I mean, the reason why we are doing that in Angular is because we don't want to use the async pipe more often. Like sometimes you end up in having the same value 10 times in a template. You use 10 times the async pipe there. And if you switch to the ng-if hack, then you basically get rid of it. You apply the changes of an observable to this specific variable as view model or whatever and then you reuse the view model as static value in your template so we use it as hacky syntax sugar to to basically have observable values applied to a static variable and this static variable is then also bound to a specific part of your template so this variable that you bind in the ngif hack is then only tied to that specific piece of DOM and you cannot use it outside of it. Correct? Yeah. You have to say yes. Yes! Woo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Such an exciting topic. Cannot help. Okay. So this is the ng-if hack. This is the reason why we use it. We want to have better DX developer experience. We want to save lines and we want to, of course, also gain performance because all those async pipes create subscriptions and they could and definitely do lead to bad performance. So what we did is we created a directive, and this is not our invention. I really have to make sure that this idea is most probably until now six years old or seven. I have no clue. And it was initially pitched by Rob Walmart on on an ng-conf, a very early ng-conf, I'm not sure, but it basically encapsulated the whole idea of binding an observable to a specific part of a template. And I guess that this piece was not called let directive back then, but we picked the name it because it was most uh, intuitive. 
as you know, you have this as syntax in the template, and maybe you know that there is also the let syntax. So you could also uh, write the async, uh, observable async pipe comma let instead of as, and then applying a variable name. And also the word let compared to const in, in JavaScript helps you to create a, a scope for a variable, a container for a value that you can update later on. So therefore, let naming letpipe. And what letpipe does is it basically gets completely rich, rich. <laughs> it gets very rich uh, in the ways how you can use the, the template then because it gets rid, completely rid of the NGE fact. You basically end up with a really nice one-liner. A one-liner that applies the changes of your observable to your variable name. And this is not everything. This is just the beginning. So the first thing is we have this static variable that we can use in our template scope where we applied this structural directive. The second thing is, I'm not sure if you ever heard the word lazy, but what the RxLet directive will do is it will initialize the template in a lazy way. And that means that if I apply an observable, let's say, make a real-world example, I, I have an HTTP request and I, I put the HTTP request directly in the template and say async pipe mm -hmm. or say uh, ngefec or say rxlet. And then uh, normally Angular would immediately, without even receiving a value from this HTTP request, evaluate the template, create the components and render everything. What we do is we say we treat that observable value as something lazy. So we don't initialize the components inside of this template. We don't render the stuff that is there until the first value arrives from this HTTP request. So before the value arrives, no value ever hit our client. So no data here to display. So we don't display anything. And this is the, mm. we call it a specific state. We call that state the suspense state. Nothing here yet. Most probably it will arrive in the future. And then we have something that enables us to apply templates to all those certain states. So I guess you got the idea of the suspense state. And this is maybe the most uncommon state that I have to explain today. There are three other states. I call it the reactive context. And you most probably heard the three keywords, next, error, and complete. Yep. So next, error, and complete are the default channels in also in promises, but especially in observables. There are next, error, and complete channels, and they do different things. The next channel always gives you changes in the value mm. and multiple times. The error channel gives you if one error occurs, this one error, and then it is done. And the complete says no error occurred, but I'm still also done like the finally in a promise. So we have those three states and our additional fourth state, the suspense state. And now imagine you can define template snippets. You can define a loading spinner, a small red cross where it say, oops, sorry, there was an error. And you have a green check mark that says transaction completed or whatever. And then you have a table that lists values. So you have those four different types of templates. And the only thing that you need to do now is you use the RxLets directive in your template, and then you apply the suspense and the suspense template name. 
the error and the error template name, the complete and the complete template name. So you have template slots there, basically exactly the same way how you have a template slot for else in the if else in Angular. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the ng if directive has an else template slot. We created template slots for those different states. Suspense for the loading spinner. Next, mm -hmm. if the, the value arrives and you render it, error if something goes wrong, or complete if you are basically done with saving the entity to the server or whatever. And in this way, you basically can get rid of a lot of different layers of template and DOM. Because imagine you would have to handle all those four different cases by hand. You will start to nest ng-ifs, to nest different async here and there. Uh, then your template will never be lazy. So you, you always will render something in Angular. And all those tricks, all the learnings that we had over the year and all the research that we did last year on performance led us to the point that really the best, most ergonomic and also most performant way to display something that is feeded from an observable is in a lazy way. So we don't do always something, we just do something if a value kicks in or something else. Other than this, we are in these states that we call suspense. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's also a good link to, to React. They also have suspense stuff. I'm not sure if they are, they, they are doing exactly the same, but it is maybe a men mental model. Yeah, so first thing is the pretty good one is obviously now how, like you explained, Michael, like how currently is working is if you don't have the data also, your DOM tree will render once, then when the data came, it will re-render re it again. And that amount of work is unnecessary. So this is this is a pretty, pretty good uh, things to use because this just, it will enhance if your list is pretty big then it's a lot of time improvement and, and yes. one question yep. yeah so like we have track by operator in ng for or so we, we can also track something here as well just <clears throat> to stop rendering that's a good question so track by in the ng4 is used to identify items in the list and keep their visual position stable because yeah. if you identify it on the same place, you don't change it, you don't update it. Yeah. Otherwise, you would re have to re-render all the list all the time. But uh, what you're relating to is basically rendering multiple templates. The RxLet is really just here to render a single template, a single value. So, I mean, we also created RxLet. Maybe we can talk about that later. And we maybe stress out some other part in this let's directive that is first of all explaining a little bit the difference of the push pipe and the let's directive and why i say because last year my punchline in most of my talks was the async pipe is boring because like we were working on all those performance improvements and and so far async pipe was like with this tool you get better performance and we, and we were like like bashing it a little bit the async pipe is boring i now today i would say the push pipe is boring Go use the let, and this is maybe what I want to explain now. So I guess it's time to get a little bit more technical. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> um, we should, we should. To do low level stuff, low level stuff. No, no. I, I try to make it as easy as possible, and I try to relay to stuff we discussed in our previous uh, recording. So back then we said, okay, the async pipe would re-render, re-evaluate the whole component tree, and then the component itself that needs the update. So now let's go one level deeper in this process and look 
only on a component. So what does it mean to re-evaluate a component, to re-render a component? So rendering in general always is visual. You never render something that you don't see, right? So rendering yeah, yeah. is always related to the template part of the component, the HTML or HTML, however you want to pronounce it. Yeah. Sunny, <laughs> just kidding about your UK accent, but <laughs> you don't have that much of it. So we have this rendering of the template and what, what we need to do, what we need to render in the template are all the expressions that we put it there, right? Whenever we want to render a value, we put either double curly braces or whatever we do there, but we, we create a template binding or template expression in this HTML snippet. And when we re-render an Angular component, we have to re-evaluate, double-check if there is a change or not, to all of those different expressions in the template. So now imagine you have a very rich UI-rich template with a lot of template expressions. This can take time. In fact, evaluating the template expressions is most of the time that is used to like re-render the whole application or re-evaluate the whole application. And why is this the case? Because we can step back. Last session, we also talked about pool and push-based rendering systems, yep. and we realized that Angular was a pool-based rendering system. And now imagine you pull this change into this template. There is no technical way to tell which of all those template expressions pulled the change to it, right? We don't know. So what we have to do is we have to re-evaluate everything in the template to figure out what's new yeah. in one component. This like is what from the parent does. to the child. From the parent to the child. Mm -hmm. Plus, now we go one level deeper, every expression in any template. Yeah. And now imagine like an observable or reactive programming or also a promise is something that is more push-based. It would call, it would fire something when a value arrives and you don't have to ask for it. So with this technology, we can shoot values to a specific piece in the template mm -hmm. and what we do is when we use the rx let directive or when you use the ng if hack you basically shoot the value directly to this part of the template right not to, to another thing just to this ng if yep. unfortunately angular does not make use of this information and re-evaluates everything again so we said if you are able to shoot a value directly to me as directive, and this can be done over an observable, over a promise, or you provide a one-time static value would also work, then we will re-evaluate only this piece of the template and nothing else. So if you have 100 lists displayed in a screen and you update only one list, no other part of your template will get re-evaluated but this one single value that you bound to this one specific rxlet. So we can really isolate change detection on template level, not on component level. And this is uh, one of the big steps and one of the big parts why we can introduce performance gains. This is also the reason why I say the push pipe is boring because the push pipe itself thinks through it will unfortunately do the same as the async pipe. It will re-evaluate all the others because it is not it is not a directive, no structural directive. Uh, structural directives own always an embedded view, a piece of template. A pipe does not own a piece of the template. So this is the first trick uh, or the first like uh, insight that we gained in our research in, and in all the development. And this already introduced all the good stuff and we were able to really like 
improve bigger problems for other companies in a way it was not possible before. But this is not everything. This is, uh, as I said, just the beginning. So let me again link back to our previous recording. And I want to mention that we discussed something that was called strategies, rendering strategies in the pushpipe yep. in the directive. So we have those strategies and we discussed that we have a strategy that you can use for testing. We have a strategy that does exactly what Angular does. So all the flaws, all the re-evaluating of everything would be exactly as in Angular. And this is very good for migrating because if you refactor to this new stack and something is not working, you want to make sure it was working before and then you can switch to native, fix it, and then switch back to whatever strategy you use. And those are like all strategies that are that help you to migrate, to refactor, to test. And then we have performance-dedicated strategies. And those performance-dedicated strategies implement a technique that is called chunked scheduling or uh, main thread scheduling. So now we get really techy. <laughs> Let me first ask, did you ever, in any one of you, use uh, animation frame? Animation frame. You used animation frame? Yeah, request animation CSS frame. CSS one would trigger the same function in the browser, yes. Is also the animation frame? Yes, so I have used request animation frame in 3JS. So for that, so it will run on certain frame second, like 60 or... Perfect. So you used a scheduling method. Did you ever use the promise in in an application? Yeah, promise, yes. Promise, you scheduled something on the micro task. Did you ever use the set timeout? Mm -hmm. No, better, better question. Wait for (laughs) it. Did you ever use set timeout zero to fix a bug in your application. Yeah, yeah, me too. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Because we both don't really understand how scheduling works, right? (laughs) Uh, Okay, lovely. Good, good, good. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production. And you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. Okay, so those are, this in general means scheduling. We have different methods in the browser, different APIs that help us to take a piece of code and move the execution of this piece of code in the future, every frame per second or in 100 milliseconds or when the promise uh, resolves at some point in the future. Yep. Very good. And this is one technique there which we started with. We said, as we want to update visual parts in the application, we use the animation frame to, to schedule the change detection instead of just doing it synchronously. It would always help the application to basically update more smoother and do, let's say, the DOM visual update related things at the right spot and also in an efficient way. Because uh, if you schedule stuff on animation frame and you would navigate away from the tab, stuff would stop, like it would not execute in the background. This was one benefit. But we figured out that in heavy applications, like we did a couple of big projects in the last two years that we basically fixed in terms of performance. And two of them were really, really huge Angular applications. And we figured out that at a certain point, when you have too much ongoing on your screen, in your UI, you show too much, you update too much, you do too much, you always end up in bad performance because user interactions like a mouse click, a scroll, some resize, whatever, was blocked by work. 
that was done because there was yeah. so much work that it took all the time and then it you has this you have this scroll chunk or this like this really delayed click uh, tooltip pop over the common the common problems that you have when when you have like i don't know i mean my smartphone is like 10 years old it it has all the problems on every page i have to wait it is laggy it does not work if i click it does not react like this this is what we what typical performance problems are in also bigger applications written in modern frameworks and we figured out that it is not really easy to tackle those problems because even if we leveraged scheduling techniques and we said hey to bootstrap this web component we use the animation frame and it will schedule the bootstrapping execution at some point in the future and give the browser time to breathe now if you do that with too many you produce the same problem it's not so easy mm -hmm. to understand so i try to give you a little bit more information and just double check with uh, some questions if if you two are still <laughs> still with me so when we use for example animation frame or set timeout or promise we, we put we take code and we move it in the future and execute it there yep yeah so we could do we could say it is 50, uh, 20 milliseconds time that it takes to execute that code. So mm -hmm. if I do that two times in a row or three times in a row, I would exceed the 50 milliseconds of the browser and then I would get this like long task and then the user starts to feel it lags. 50 milliseconds is the, the measure that DevTools tells you when you have a long task or not. Okay. And if you read up, they always tell you in those performance related blog posts and material split up work. So, okay, what we did is we split it up work. We split it up these packages, this one big chunk into three packages, each 20 milliseconds. And we scheduled the bootstrapping of the web components. Basically, scheduling the bootstrapping time is a really good example because Angular and Angular elements is doing are doing the same. They bootstrap their change detection or they schedule their change detection on animation frame. They don't do it sync. You can like look Angular IO, the flame charts, and you will see that those web components are scheduled. But there is a downside. If you schedule a hundred web components in the future to the next animation frame tick, guess what mm -hmm. happens? What could happen if you do it a hundred times uh, right when the next animation frame ticks? I think it will it will block uh, the user to exactly it will block it on the next animation frame, <laughs> mm -hmm. not now but on the next one because That's you you a hundred times there and whoop, it blows up it <gasps> takes all the energy of the browser and <laughs> after it the, the user can interact again so mm -hmm. you basically move time but you don't really split it up correctly why the reason is our browser has no real notion of the frame budget. Frame budget, I told you that 50 milliseconds is like a number where, where most of the browsers will tell you, you did stuff that took a little bit too long for the user, long task. So this is called the budget. And we assume it is 50 milliseconds, right? Yeah. So notion of the budget means if I execute work, the browser has no clue how much of the existing budget is already taken by work and how much not. Because it has no clue how much time was passed until he called that function, until he called this function. So he has no notion of the frame budget. So hmm. what we needed is like creating a scientific queue, a scheduling queue of work packages, and then execute the work with frame budget in mind. So we measured 
every package of work, how long does it took to execute that package? And when we realized, oh, we are getting close to a certain budget and let's make it a 50 milliseconds or as we uh, have now a 16 milliseconds or a 10 milliseconds if you want to be safe and really accurate, then you would stop executing, give the browser time to breathe and then execute the rest of the work, the rest of the web components, the rest of the whatever. And this will enable the browser or the, your website, your application to have a interactive, like very interactive performance. So whenever something changes on your website, you are also able to click. The tooltip will pop up immediately because it will always have time to pop up in between, right? The browser has yep. way more time to breathe. It is always a little bit of a break. Do you, you do work, you wait a little bit. Maybe the user wants to interact and then you go on. And you wait a little bit, maybe the user wants to interact and then you go on. It's like a small rhythm, the dance of work and user, I would say. <laughs> user yeah, yeah. and work and user. Yeah, just kidding. And pause. <laughs> Looking forward to my dancing lesson today. So maybe <laughs> this is the reason for the funny jokes. Yeah, this is like, this is the stuff that we figured out. So we have to have a notion of the frame budget. We have to chunk up work and then we can schedule as much work as we want the page would never block. And this is like an essential piece that you can switch on and off with the strategies. Nothing else but the configuration in your module. It brings most of the performance stuff. It is really cool, cutting-edge feature. Similar technology, or I guess the same technology, is used in React. They also shipped stuff that is called concurrent mode and it is also aiming for those performance impacts for those performance improvements that we discussed this is basically i guess the third part of why you should use the library if you want to improve the performance if not as i told you you have all those different ways of handling templates and so on as non-performance related Whew, a lot of technical things i guess yeah. or not i'm not sure like are there any is there stuff that we should discuss repeat yeah just to clarify i will i, I will just explain what i understood in a very short format like by default our browser's event loop has two queue one is micro task one for micro task went for say set timeout and promises will go so you have introduced a third queue and one, yes. Yeah. And you are scheduling there by measuring the time frame that browser has some breathing time or not. If browser, if we are suppose suppose it's 60 milliseconds, if we are not exceeding that, then we will start executing. But after 60 seconds, we will pause, give a time to not sorry, second, 60 millisecond. <laughs> after 60 milliseconds, we'll give a pause and give time to user and back again to the our scheduling task. That's what I'm exactly. am I correct? Exactly. Okay. Thank, thank God I get it. <laughs> if you want to have less technical terms, you maybe heard about web vitals and they measure yeah. time to interactive. This is related to it. You maybe also heard the rail model that is like a very broad and general standard on how you should build your websites. We basically build the tools with the rail model in mind. So we mm -hmm. tried to make technical pieces that you can use that will automatically be aligned with all those big standards and, and best practices. Yeah. So one thing, like if we use this package, so maybe my, some of my React friends are selling C, how my virtual DOM is working pretty fast. Now we can also say Angular is also rendering pretty fast. Yes, yes. I mean, 
we could also discuss change detection in virtual DOM and why it is maybe not the smartest idea to use HTML output to diff or like virtual DOM to, to diff stuff. Mm-hmm, yeah. But maybe it, it exceeds it's, it exceeds the scope of of the today's call, I would say. <laughs> yeah. But this is basically most most of the performance stuff that we shipped already. You mentioned the uh, the track by. Yep. Track by is part of the NG4. So what we did is we also created a directive. It's not officially released now, but we have it in production quite a while now. It's called RxLet. Uh, Rx. Four, sorry, RX4 instead of NG4. Mm-hmm. And it helps you to take observables in a list. And then it helps you if you have a huge list of a thousand items that it will only render as many items in a list as you have non-blocking frame rate. It will stop, same as we explained before with the work, it will stop in between rendering the list items and will give the browser time to breathe. And so it will not render a thousand items at once. Okay, so it will check the kind of how much is in the viewport. It will render yeah. that. It's like no, that. it will che- it will basically measure how long it takes to bootstrap one of your list items and the second one and the third one. It it has notion of the frame budget, and whenever your list items exceed the frame budget, it will stop, mm-hmm. give the browser time to breathe, and then it will go on and do the rest of the items. Yeah, and then it will stop, and the user will have time, and then it will go on. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty good stuff. Yes, yes. This is stuff that we will ship pretty, pretty soon. Of course, we have a lot of other ideas, experiments in terms of DX and, and performance, but I guess way too early to talk about because we, we have to ship all the stuff that is ready now and we just don't have time to write documentation and tests and everything. So terrible state, I tell you, as a, a an open source maintainer. <laughs> like when you when you just uh, told right our push pipe is boring we'll go for let I was wondering like when you say let let is boring and we'll and we'll invent something else <laughs> <laughs> this is a very nice one I believe we will we will take our time and work a little bit more on strategies we we will see if we also can get web workers somehow nicely included just for background mm-hmm. scheduling background work and that and that stuff in a nice way we also we shipped a lot of helpers a lot of small helper functions that basically are the glue in your application to glue together different things or to improve stuff we have a lot of scheduling things that you can use to improve the performance of uh, for example even ngrx ngrx is a very well known state management yes. thing their selectors are in a different style than the selectors that rx angular state ships and even those different styled selectors you can improve with our with our tooling with our architectural changes and with the measures mm. This is interesting. I think whenever I hear Michael speak, uh, half the time he's wizard, half the time he's my friend, you know. <laughs> he's made casting all these technical spells. Why not being a wizard friend? Yeah. <laughs> Wingardium Leviosa. But yeah, it's really, really interesting stuff. I mean, I've known Michael for a while now, so I know how RxJx he is and he's, he's shown me certain things, you know, that, you know, he hasn't like... Maybe he's working on this. These guys always just building and building and building. I can promise you, like when it comes to reactivity. So yeah, it's interesting to hear this this project. So I um, so Brad, I was wondering if if we had covered everything or 
I don't know, Michael, before we move on to the picks, if there were other things that we could, you know, maybe touch on on a closing note. Not a lot. You can you can look up the library, can give it a star. This is what we like. You can also sponsor. I guess we have a sponsorship. This year, I managed to get my first two GitHub sponsors and I earn, I earn, I, I get $9 a month, I guess. Oh, look at that. Michael's That's rich. Cool. It's uh, it's starting. It's starting. It was I was really excited about it. Seriously. It was uh it was very cool. Very cool. But you're paying for yeah. you're paying for dinner next time we meet. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> you're, you're rich now. He gets 18 bucks a month. That's nine. 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 That's eight more than I get a month. <laughs> By the way, I have to do a shout uh shout out for Santosh. He was like one of the first people that contributed or or sponsorshiped the uh, my open source slip. So I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, is this Santa Shara? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. He, he's an amazing guy. Uh, we've had yeah. him on the show. Oh, before, Angular, right? Angular, active in Angular community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Suprat, yeah. have we had him on the show? We've had him on this show before, right? Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, like when we had last spring, he, I think uh, he and Santos, they both are managing a directory or a project, you can say, or a oh. team that, that we discuss about him. All right, all right. Well, Sanchez, if you're listening to this, come on, hit us up. It's the best yeah, yeah. You need to get Santos here. Yeah, yeah. Hey, folks. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there? And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit, and you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev. Well, we're going to move on to picks now. Uh, Michael, I don't know if you're familiar with the picks. Uh, yo, you, you are, because we've had this before, I believe. So it's just, you know, anything that you want to really let, maybe you're working on or things that you've read or book or whatever, you just want to give a quick, shameless shout out to. So, Supra, why don't we start with you today? Yeah, go on. Yeah. As you told, shameless shout out. I will give a shameless shout out, and that's about my my YouTube channel. So it's a fun of heuristic. So I I basically solve some problem or uh, try to give basic understanding of how to use Angular and web technologies. So currently I'm just explaining Angular and some part of Node.js. In future, planning to demonstrate as a full stack developer using using Nest. Uh, Chairs. and i'm also looking with the uh, rx angular once i get everything i will make a video on that as well so please to subscribe and that's the two pick for that's the pick for the week superstar uh, michael got any picks i mean last time what did i pick i guess it was sing and dance right yes i don't know structure your tickets or work in a way it makes sense is my my learning and pick of the day. <laughs> no pick from my end this time. Interesting. So for me, I have two things. The first thing is again Angular.training. Finally, we are probably gonna launch sometime soon. 
But yeah, uh, you can head up there to really um, join the mailing list, Angular.training. And, you know, once we once we actually open up and start creating those free videos and stuff, some of the amazing things, uh, we'll, you, you'll be the first to know. And like I said, secondly, yes, I um, was one of the first few places I'm announcing a tool that I've been creating for a while now for developer advocates that helps you measure my, my, uh, your metrics. Uh, and it's called Advocad. Right now, it's still sort of like private alpha. If you're interested, hit me up on Twitter, Sani Yusuf. And, but that's, I guess, my own shameless picks. And there was one book that uh, Subrat talked about, which is uh, Psychology of Money. And it, it was his pick. So I'm going to steal his pick from one of our <laughs> recent podcasts. It is such a great book. Uh, and he made mention of it, but it's such an amazing book that you can read and get to know about money. Uh, really, really good stuff. So yeah, that's about it for me. Okay. Well, without further ado, thank you very much, Michael. And this is where we would call the end of this particular episode. Three, two, one. Bye-bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.